Hello and welcome to this week's podcast. Pastor Tony has been covering over the last few weeks the whole area of soul health. And I would like to bring my contribution to that this morning. And I'm going to continue in a similar vein, but maybe just turn left slightly. I want to read a scripture from Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 that declares this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lead not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Man is made predominantly of three areas. He's made of his body, soul and spirit. All must be nurtured and all must be brought into alignment. The scripture turns around and says, a body you have prepared for me. If this whole thing of this vehicle that carries these three elements is not working, then how am I supposed to carry out or you carry out the work of the kingdom? Jesus turns around and says in Matthew 26 and verse 41, he says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing and the flesh is weak. Paul also stated that he beats his body into subjection. You know, the body is a great servant, but a bad master. How many times do you want to do something and your body says, I want to sleep, I want to eat, it's time to rest, I'm giving in. Somebody's telling you to give you two more reps in the gym and you're not having any of it. It's all that process of your body dictates to everything. Everything inside you wants to do something different, but the vehicle can often let you down. We find so many people whose desire is to do so many things, but because they've allowed their body to go in a different area, maybe they carry too much weight, maybe they have a disease, maybe their heart conditions, maybe they've got bad knees because they've carried weight over a period of years, their backs have been bad. It reduces some of the opportunities that they have. Not that I'm going to be talking about the body this morning. It's just showing us that this body is the vehicle that carries everything. Inside of this body, so we're made of body, soul, and spirit, we have our soul. And the soul is made up of three areas. Again, Pastor Tony has covered all of these over the weeks. But the area that it's looking to cover is the whole area of the mind, the will, and the emotions. The journey of soul health has to cover all of these elements. It's not one thing or another. You can't put your emphasis just in one area. Certain times in your life, you may feel that you need to deal specifically in one area while it gets um, resolved. Maybe you get sharper in that area. Maybe you need to bring it into alignment. But all of them needs to be brought to the position where they're developed and they become stronger. Your spirit needs to be developed so that it becomes like the Christ and you become like the mature son. Your body and soul need to be redeemed. They need to be made whole. And Christ does this. Yeah, Christ died. And the reality for every believer is that we have emotions for a reason. Our emotions are not a dirty word. So often we've said as being great Brits that, you know, we have to keep a stiff upper lip. That comes from the generation of our parents and maybe our parents' parents from the war and onwards. We don't show emotion. We keep up a, a, a stiff upper lip. The emotions are a sign of weakness. You can't show your feelings. You can't tell somebody you love them or how much they mean to you. But the scripture also says that we need to give honor where honor's due. It's fine to be able to turn around and tell somebody how you feel. When our emotions are out of alignment, you know, when we don't have that tapping ability, then our empathy is lost. The ability to be able to say that we can rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. 
we hear very often, and we've, we've seen maybe now statistically and practically, that for many autistic people, they suffer in the area of their emotions. They have no empathy. They can't feel with somebody's hurts. They don't feel with somebody's happiness, their joy, or their sadness. It seems to be something that just doesn't register. But when the Holy Spirit starts to get involved in our lives, he wants to form and bring us to become that mature, fashioned son in Jesus Christ. He deals with every area. The Holy Spirit is not just concerned with our spirit man and our spirit walk. He's concerned with every aspect that we have. There is a thing called a new creation reality. And the old new creation reality is that the old has gone and the new has come. God deals with our sin nature. You and I are responsible for dealing with our sin habit. Now, there's a comment that was made a long time ago, and I think it was Warren Buffett that brought it out. He turns around and said, the chains of habit are too light to be felt until they become too heavy to be broken. That is a statement on its own. We just do things every day that's part and parcel of our natural lives. But these habits become so ingrained, they make us what we are today. Those power of those habits can so much hinder us in, a, in our walk when we do things. Maybe somebody had made a statement again, I, I won't tell you who it is, but it was one of our friends. And they said there's a massive difference that they found in their life um, from being the illustration of being set free from something and having a strong will and discipline not to do something. So say, for instance, if there was a person and they had a, a, an instance maybe where they could or couldn't drink alcohol or they believed that alcohol was getting away from them, can I be set free from it that in another time in my life I could have a drink and it doesn't draw me back in? Or there's other people that say once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. This is the thing of habits. Habits form as they change us. But we're called to work out our salvation with fear and trembling as we partner with the Holy Ghost. And he brings reformation into our lives. Reformation, break down the word. He reforms our life. Reformation as a belief, it's actually a chiropractic word to say to set the bones or the skeleton back in order. So there's times in our life when the Holy Ghost puts his hand inside of us and he starts to twist and shake and sometimes you hear a crack. Sometimes it feels uncomfortable, but it's to bring our frame back into the correct alignment. Now, I'm sure every one of us hearing this today or watching this at any time online Everybody has a story to tell. Everybody's been through something. Our lives have not been the same. Some have had better starts than others. Some have been hurt. Some have been used. Some have been abused. Some have made it through the skin of the teeth and have made it by the very grace of God. But yet, there is an illustration I just want to use for you at the moment. This, known to us wherever we are in the world, is a carrot. I'm not using a different vegetable. It's a vegetable that everybody knows. This is a carrot. And as you can see, it's a standard carrot, standard form. But when I was in the shop, I was also able to purchase another carrot. This carrot, you would look at it and say, it's slightly deformed. If you look at this, it's completely different in its look. It's completely different in the way that it's been formed. But both are a carrot. Both have the same DNA. And both of them cost me a price to purchase. 
You know, for you and I, we may have a story that says, in my life, my, my life story is that I had it difficult, or more difficult than another individual. I got deformed somewhere on the way. My emotions got hurt. My mind got affected. My whole process of how I view life, how I view myself, was impacted because of the things and the behavior either that I did or others did to me. But yet the great hope is this, is that we have all been bought with a great price. The price of Jesus Christ bought and paid for us, whether we're slightly off or we look identical to what people say that we should look like. There is a great hope. And the hope that we have is that Christ takes the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. It doesn't matter where our starting point is. The issue is where is our end point? Can I be shaped and can I be molded to become the man and woman that God desires me to be? You know, we are shaped and molded by our upbringing and our surrounding. Our parents are never trying to do a bad job with us. They're never trying to hurt us. They set out to help us, but they've been impacted their own lives and what has maybe hindered or helped them, they try to pass on to their kids. So maybe we hear things like, don't talk to strangers, don't always trust people, be careful, don't trust the government. They can give us their whole um, theories of how things work, they have their conspiracies of what goes on. Never trust a person's motive, ask why somebody's doing something nice for you. All of this takes us and pushes us into a mould. So the mould that we have our surroundings, the way that we think and the way that we feel, are pushed in from these family units to help us, um, sometimes to help and sometimes to hinder. Even at prejudices that maybe come down from maybe grandparents or somebody in the family, they tell us how things go. They all come to shape us good and bad. You know, it was one person that turned around, it's being attributed to several people, but I'll give you the quote, and I'm sure you know it. It says, give me a child until he's seven, and I'll show you the man. If you can take somebody from being a young child, now we have a a young grandson at this moment in time, he's two years of age, and he's just a sponge. Every word you say to him, he tries to repeat back. You do something, he starts to repeat it. He does what you do. If you pull out the tools, he wants his tools. If you're doing a job, he wants to help. Whatever, all of their lives at this moment in time are just being shaped and formed. And we kind of think, oh, we have to wait for people to go to university before they change the way they think. From their very onset of life, from being born through, they're being shaped and molded. So the area I want to pick up with us today and hopefully shed some light on is the whole area of the mind. I believe the mind is a huge area and is often overlooked in church circles. I think it's because maybe we don't fully understand it. We believe that belongs to the world, that it's not something that it impacts us, that once we come to Christ, everything's a bed of roses, that people don't have issues. But I would say that probably now, I know more people now who struggle with mental health than I've ever seen before. And this certainly seems to be an issue with the millennials. Maybe these people now feel safer to share that I don't feel right or I'm not too well or I'm struggling today. I don't know what the issue is of why I hear more and more of it. But I recognize it more and more of how people are struggling in that area of the mind. And if they struggle in the area of the mind outside of church, 
they certainly struggle in the area inside church as well. There is a term that when I looked, it made me laugh slightly. I've heard the term many times, but when I looked at it, it did make me smile, I must admit. Generation Snowflake. What a title to have. It's said that with this Generation Snowflake, they are oversensitive, they are fragile, that you cannot say so many things to them, you can't challenge them. You know, when I grew up, I grew up, I was born in the 60s, came through the 70s. That was when it seemed to be that everything went out the window. You got a slap in school. Your teacher could give you a crack. Your neighbor would give you a slap in the street if your parents weren't around and you were doing something. Everybody now, my growing up, my days of growing up in the 70s, there would be so many court cases that would be done of so many people who were being prosecuted for bringing you into order. But yet this generation, it says they now become oversensitive and fragile. I believe that what has happened and what we're seeing the fruit on the tree is that the scripture says that when you sow the wind, you will reap the whirlwind. When we've had the removal of absolutes and everybody's starting to embrace anything that you want, humanism pushes to an extreme. I can be what I want. I can say what I want. I can be anything and stick any label that I want to be. And you then have to acknowledge that label. It takes us to a place where when the absolutes are removed, we're always on sinking sand. So let's start to look at something of taking care of business a little bit. Let me make one dynamic statement to you this morning. We didn't get broke when we came to church or when we came to Christ, should I say, to to make that even better. The Spirit is bringing to light the things that have been hidden in the darkness for so long. Things that we've put up with, things that we've allowed to continue, things that we've never addressed, things that we don't want to talk about in posh society or even in polite conversation. The Holy Ghost starts to bring to the forefront so that you and I can grow and be the man and woman that Christ wants of us. You know, the scripture says in Romans 12 and verse 2, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Hear that, be transformed by the renewing and not the removal of your mind. God's not looking for robots. He's not looking for people who are yes men, who just do everything. He wants us to be able to say, not my will, but your will. And we bring our lives into a line with his word, with his plans, the good and pleasing, perfect will of God. We learn and have to learn to take captive every thought and bring it back into obedience and into alignment. 2 Corinthians Chapter 10 and verse 5 declares this. We demolish every argument and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. As we said, the very first scripture, in all your ways, acknowledge him. When I start to put Christ first, when I start to take hold of his word, when I start to find out what he wants for me, his desires for me, his plans and purposes, as he sets me in the local house, that my old destiny in life is found in and through the local house, not just as an individual doing whatever I want to do. He brings me into alignment. He helps me see why I think the way I think. He starts to show me why I do the things I do. 
in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, it says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Scripture also says, who by worrying can add a single day to their life? So how many are worrying about COVID? How many are worrying about the economy? How many people are thinking about what people think? How many people are saying, well, I have a job to go back to? How many are saying, when will the kids go back to school? Because I'm certainly sick of them being around the house. How many people are worried about so many things that in a fraction of time, over a period of six months, the world has changed and taking people from even, can I go on my holidays? to being in complete lockdown, financial systems of the world being challenged, governments having to be turned upside down, nations not knowing whether they're coming or going. But we are called to be anxious about nothing. Isaiah 26 and verse 3 says this, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Now, Phil, you've just talked about COVID, you've talked about the economy, you've talked about family, you've talked about education, the school's going back. We are not, and I am not being naive about the situations that we face. They are all real to every one of us. There is no family that has not been impacted through this whole thing. People on furlough, people worried about going back to school, people worried about, can I go to the shops? People worried about seeing a grandma, people worried about people in care. So whether it's the elderly in a home or it's children that are uh, maybe in in a hospice type situation, we worry about all these things. But yet, if we start to set our mind on Christ, we have to have a different perspective. Is it the situations of the world that will drive us? Or do we start to lay hold of God, trusting him in a way that says, do you know what? Things are bad, but as a thousand fall at the left and a thousand fall at the right, God, the steps of a righteous man are still ordained by the Lord. You are still in control. That it looks like governments are out of control, but you are in control. We have been given the mind of Christ. So if we're given the mind of Christ, then it's our duty, it's our responsibility and our self-preservation to put on that mind of Christ. Now, without going down too many rabbit trails, we know that we also have the mind of the spirit and there is a spirit of my mind. I don't want to go there today. Literally, I'm... touching the tip of the iceberg that maybe we'll pick up again at another time or Pastor Tony will give more light into. But this is a key psalm from Psalm 43 in verse 5. It says, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. There has to come to that place that says, when my soul, when my emotions and everything is out of kilter, when I'm feeling downcast, when I'm feeling blue, when I feel that everything's getting on top of me, when I feel the anxieties of life, I have to know that I have to go to the rock that is higher than I. I have to have my safe place. I have to have the place that says, my God, I need that ability, Lord, that as Jesus was asleep in the boat, I can be in the same place. The disciples cried out and said, God, Lord, don't you care that we're drowning? 
When he's asleep in your boat, you must be in a position where you can sleep in your boat. There is a place that we need to press on and find him in a new way, especially in uncertain times. You and I have to find our place of certainty. Psalm 94 and verse 17 declares this. Unless the Lord had been my help, my soul would have soon have settled in silence. If I say my foot slips, your mercy, O Lord, will hold me. In the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comfort and you delight my soul. The cry of a generation. The cry of a generation would not be any louder than today that says, in the multitude of my anxieties. Now again, I would say that I don't fall in the generation of being a snowflake. I'm not easily offended. I'm not somebody you have to walk around on eggshells with. But the cry of a generation has become so heavy, but yet is so fragile. And let me explain why. People seem to be so, con- more, so concerned or more concerned about how they are perceived by others than how they are with God. So what do I say? People are looking at their weight. People are looking at their height. People are looking at my boobs are too big. My boobs are too small. My bum's too small. I need a Cardassian. Everything is set in place so that people turn around and find this whole life that when people look at me and I'm caught in this spectrum of social media, there has to be the place where I can step out because that social media will mess with your mind. Now you're viewing this video on social media. Social media is not a bad thing, but when it affects my emotions, it affects my soul, it affects my mind, then things have to be brought to an end. So yeah, the whole process of social media, when it has a negative effect on us, maybe it's a time to take a step back. Take a step back for it. If it affects your mental health, it's not a good environment to be in. In Psalm 18, verses 1 and 2, it declares this, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God and my strength in whom I trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation. The Lord is my rock. Break down rock for a second. The revelation of Christ the King. When I understand the revelation of Christ the King, it allows me to be brought back into alignment. It allows me to agree with that new creation reality and move to where he is. So many of us get caught up in our own strength. We get caught up in our own ideas. This is what we're going to do. I'm going to fix all of my problems. I'm going to make it all right. Now, it's great taking ownership, but there's times when I have to look to the rock that is higher than I that bring things into alignment. You know, this written and living word is the very thing that separates between soul and spirit, so Hebrews tell us. It has to be the place of when I'm taking hold of this revelation, it can be allowed to shape my life. The Holy Ghost will lead you into all truth. And that all truth is about your mental health, your emotional health, your physical health, your spiritual health, your family's health, your financial health. All truth is all truth. 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 11 declares this. When I was a child, 
I talk like a child, I thought like a child, I reason like a child, and when I became a man, I did away with childish things. So you just look at it. His very point that he's talking is this, is he taught like a child, he thought like a child, he reasoned like a child. That thought and reason like a child, I believe there's three areas too. Number one is the child in its innocence. There is a statement that is not often made, but I have seen it through so many lives, my own included, especially those around us in church circles. The spiritual adolescent, they're still going through the spotty stage. They're going through the spiritual mood swings. They're going through trying to find their self-awareness and where they fit in. You know, they have confidence issues. They have self-issues. All of this has to be resolved on their way to coming to maturity at a completely different level. You know, situations arise in your life and in my life that we can't say didn't happen. But there's normal, normally several ways that we deal with things and the situations that we face. We try to hide from them. We try to deflect them. Or we try to deny that it didn't even happen. We stick our head in the sand like the ostrich, hoping that it goes away. But for you and me in the area of our minds, our minds have to process and come to a conclusion. But the conclusion and the question we ask is, which nature will it reflect? Will it reflect the old nature and the old you? Or will you allow the new creation reality to be the filter that you want your thought processes to come through? So I've said about our snowflake generation, and I don't mean to be dismissive in any way. People go through lots of different things. There are so many people who are falling over and they struggle to hold their position on a daily basis, feeling guilty, not having the capacity to cope in that moment. When your minds are out of alignment, it is so difficult to keep the rest of your soul in position. We're more concerned, as I said before, about what others think rather than what the Father says about us. You know, we see so many people fishing on whatever it be, whether it be on Facebook or whether it be on one of the other platforms for likes. How many people have posted a photo? I've got it filtered. It's unfiltered. Do you like? Do you vote? And all the time we're trying to find and appease everybody else around us at our own detrimental, a lot of time our own mental health we're struggling with. What I want to touch in this area of the soul slide, just for a moment, is a term that I want to use. You know, in the area of our soul and in our emotions, we find that we feel or we get hurt, we get let down, we get, uh, we get offended. Our emotions or the area of our emotions get bruised. We carry that hurt, almost like seeing a, um, an apple in a, in a fruit bowl that's been bumped around a bit. It carries its bruises of its bumps on the road. But I need to share something with you that might or might not come as a revelation. If you're going to be around the lives of people, you will get hurt. You will get let down. And if you can be offended... You will be. There's no other option. That's people. When you bump into people, unless you're going to lock yourself away, then those things will be part and parcel of your life. Oh, but even if you do lock yourself away, I can almost guarantee you'll fall out with yourself. 
So here's the thing. You get hurt. You get let down. You get offended. So let me play for you the scenario that every one of us has faced. You sit at home. You're sat there or you're sat somewhere on your own. And your mind starts to play the video back of the conversation that you had or what you perceived happened. Then you start to ponder on it. Then you start to meditate. I wish believers would meditate on the word of God as much as they do on offense and as much as they do on their hurts in the area of their soul. And as they start to meditate on it, the emotion starts to grow. We start to feed the negativity. Then it all starts to become all-consuming in our lives. Then I feel in all of this that the mind starts to get involved and I then start to take actions, whether right or wrong. Everything that I felt as a value, everything that I felt as a non-negotiable starts to get negotiable and negotiated because I feel completely justified in taking any process or any behavior or any response to me being offended in some way. So let me give you a biblical example of that. There's a story of David playing the harp for Saul. And Saul sat there in his throne room. And he sees David in a moment. There's an issue of jealousy that rises up in his heart. And the scripture says, and Saul took his spear and he threw it and it stuck to the wall. He tried to stick David and that spear sticks straight to the wall. So what are you going to do and what am I going to do if I'm David? I tell you what you're going to do. You're going to go, you bang out of order. You pull that spear out and you throw it straight back. Welcome to the lineage of Saul. Our responses as we move towards being a new creation as to enable us to deal with offense, deal with the issues that we go through and bring it into a different filter. You know, this whole thing that I've just said of David throwing the spear back becomes the perfect storm. All three elements begin to work together in the area of our soul. Our mind thought about it, our emotions felt it, and then our will agreed with the action that we were going to take. It didn't matter if we became judge and jury in that moment. I feel fully justified in taking any action I want because, Tom, you shouldn't have been a Burke, and because you're a Burke, you're now going to get it back. And we respond and we just hit back when the nature of what is supposed to be happening in our soul, not just in the spirit man, but in the soul realm, our spirit must dictate to what's happening on that inside. You know, let me make this point to you because it's be for your own health and your own um, benefit moving forward. You cannot afford to harbour negative thoughts. If you do, it will rob you of your peace. It will rob you of your joy. It will rob you of your faith. It will rob you of your hope. Wrong emotions build up on the inside. The, the thinking patterns start to take us away and make it so that we become that negative person when we don't let things go. Oh, yeah, we can feel fully justified it. Did they do you over? Yes, they did me over. Were you betrayed? Yes, I was betrayed. Were you let down? Yes, I was let down. Did all those things not happen to Christ? Do you think you're better? So if it happened to Christ and he could show a nature that brings him through, why not you? We go through process. You know, there is a simple process that works like this. If you think about good things, you feel good. If you think about negative things, you feel bad. 
That's one of the reasons why the scripture turns around and says, whatever is pure, whatever is good, whatever is noble, think on these things. So let me tell you very quickly some of the consequences of allowing and harboring negative emotions. The first is that this will have a detrimental impact on your mental health. Our resentments and the hurts produce stress hormones in you and I. Our bodies become fatigued and it's difficult to stay focused because we become dominated and our thoughts become dominated by the issue of how we feel offended or feel that someone's done us in. So say, for instance, you've been in work today and your boss said something to you or you was, you was out and you feel that you were, you were done over in some way or people lied about you or they painted you in a wrong light. You go home, you start to sit there, you start to think about it and then you play that video of seeing the conversation. When I see that Tom, I'm going to tell that Tom this. I'm going to say, right Tom, you were bang out of order the other day and Tom goes, what, why, what did I say Phil? Phil, are you one of them snowflakes? something I can't even say anything without you being offended. Come on, Tom, you know what you did. And we start going back into it. But all the time, it sets uh, hormones and stress hormones in us that put us on edge. That often causes us to have damaged sleep patterns. It affects our eating habits. Maybe we eat too much. Maybe we eat too little. We come to the place of being fatigued. Because we're fatigued when our mental energy is being used all to, to continue to go down the line of something that's negative. Holding a negative thought does not do you any favours. Sometimes it's better to lose and stay healthy than it is to try and think that you won and you destroy your own life. The second area that it hits is your emotional area of your life and your soul. When your mind is racing, you're holding on to negative. When you're holding on to resentments, to the hurts, whatever that might be. The next phase that will impact you is you will be taken down the line of depression. Depression is one of the significant consequences of harboring negative emotional thoughts. It requires emotional energy to be able to maintain anger, bitterness, hurt, rejection, whatever, all of you is pushed to maintain to keep that fire going. Just as you and I would become weary digging a hole every day, you'd become tired by the end of the day, you become emotionally and mentally exhausted when you hold on to those things and depression is often the, the, is the outcome of that very nature that we've taken. In the New King James Version of Scripture, it says in Proverbs 12 and verse 25, anxiety in my heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes glad. That when I hold this anxiety, when I'm getting stressed, when everything's getting on top of me, it brings me to a place of depression. Now, this is not NHS website. This is David talking to his son 4,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, whenever it was, put him into this place that if you allow that anxiety on the inside, it will mess you up. When you become emotionally fatigued, it is amazing how easy it is to start drawing away from the people that can help you most. 
And the reason we draw away is the very thought of facing people, having to put on a brave face, giving it your best shot can just seem overwhelming. So what do you do? You withdraw. And when you withdraw, those people who can comfort, those people who can encourage, the people at times who can say nothing but just give you a hug and help you in that area and say, I'm just standing with you, gets lost. We need that support mechanism more than we ever think. The next area to get impacted is your spiritual walk. We've talked about our mental condition. We've talked briefly about the emotional condition. And now we have the spiritual condition. It's so easy to become cold towards God that when your emotions and your mind are out of alignment. Oh, it's not that you've desired to become backslid. It's not even that you're feeling backslid. All of your energy is being used just to get you through the day. And when everything is being used just to get you to get up in the morning, dress yourself, go and do what you're supposed to do and come home, the whole state of being able to maintain a spiritual walk gets lost. But yet, like we have said, the enemy of our souls will come along and say to us, do you know what? This is where I want to keep you. I want to keep you to the place where you're distant from people. I want to keep you to the place where you feel that your relationship's cold towards God. Then you start to hear that record being played. Oh, that who are you? You're no good. You've got nothing to offer. Everything that you feel negative on the inside gets compounded. You start to speak to yourself. The enemy stops even condemning. You start condemning yourself. Why do I even bother? Who wants to know me? Nobody likes me. And it's all that gets carried away. We need to draw to where he's at because it's a lie of the enemy. And there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But it has to be something that when we're putting on the mind of Christ and taking captive every thought that sets itself up against the knowledge of Christ, that we agree with and we move towards. And we say, my God, you've got to help me. The God, the the rock that is higher than I, I come to the fortress. I come to the strong tower. I come and bring my declaration of praise. I bring the word. I come and say, Lord, I'm going to sing my song. I'm going to chase myself out of this situation so that things can be broken and we move forward. One of the other aspects is the physical aspect. Our negative thoughts, as we said before and just touched on, will release the wrong kind of stress hormone. Hormones from the pituitary gland, the adrenaline, the hydrate and the other glands all will start to produce negative chemicals that run in and through you that will cause us to open the gateway to disease. You wouldn't think that being negative and holding those thoughts would bring disease to you and I. But there is a thing called sympathetic dominance. It will set you in a constant state of fight or flight. All the time you're wary. All the time you're on the back foot. All the time you're waiting for something. And everything, you're living in a, in a state of adrenaline. You're waiting. You're, so your heart races. And then all that happens is all the goodness in your body goes to feed the major organs and things stop working the way they, sh- they should do. It causes us to become prone to sickness and prone to disease. So let me leave you, just take a few minutes to leave you with some practical steps. One of the great things to do, I was speaking to a friend just a couple of weeks ago, and they were you, telling me of a strategy they use, and let me pass it on to you because I believe it will be helpful. 
They always start when they feel a bit out of kilter, asking three questions. The first question is, how is my relationship with God? Is there any intimacy? Am I praying? Am I reading? Is it a sense of duty? Am I hiding? Have I gone cold? Whatever that situation is, when I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I move back towards him and intimacy can be established again. The next question is, how is my relationship with others? Is there anything that I need to put right? Am I harboring anything towards somebody else? Am I living in a state of unforgiveness? Is there bitterness? Has there a root of bitterness even been established in my life that I need to repent and cut off? And finally on that, how is my relationship with me? Yeah, with you. How often do you fall out with you? There's times when I fall out with me, I think, Phil, I'm not talking to you. You know, the the thing about me and God have the same thing in common. I'm omnipresent. I cannot get away from me. Wherever I go, I am. And unless I bring myself into a good place, it can be a miserable place when I'm around myself. So let me give you these practical steps. The little benchmarks as we just go along. So when you feel that there's that negativity, when you feel that your area is struggling slightly, keep talking and don't go quiet. Number two, recognize this situation didn't happen overnight and it has been building over time. And as you reflect and you're honest with yourself, don't beat yourself up, but see that you can use it as a springboard to move forward to where you need to change and to develop. And if you've been hurt by others, forgive them so that you can move on. Number three, Allow your brain to rest. It doesn't have to keep racing. It doesn't have to keep thinking. Come, sit in a park, look at something beautiful, put on a nice piece of music. This is not the time to pull out your hip-hop greatest hits or put on some thrash metal. It's a time to allow something that can soothe your soul. When negative thoughts want to take over, choose to think on what is good. It's a choice. It might want to drag you down a dark alley, but go to the place where you can be in the light and you can stay in the light. The next part, find God's promises for you and stick to them. Whatever you do, I have at home, if if I'm going through anything, I stick post-it notes on my computer. So when I'm looking at my computer, they're there. Put them on your fridge, write them down, put a piece of string on your finger if you need to, reminded of the promise. You don't need 57 promises. This is not Heinz scriptures according to God, but turn around and get to that place where you can hold on to the one thing that God's declaring. Start to have it, declare it, take back it into the spirit. Don't hide from friends and family. Being honest is not a weakness, but a strength. Don't surround yourself with Job's comforters. They will keep you in the hole. Don't feed negative thoughts by surrounding yourself with negative people. And the final point is this. And sometimes maybe this would be frowned upon me even saying this from a church circle. If you need chemical or professional help to help you, take it. Get to the place where if it's something that can help to settle what's happening in your mind, in the area of your soul, we can have it and then partner with the Holy Ghost to see life brought through. 
there was a quote from Steve Jobs. He said this, you can't look forward and backwards at the same time. So choose what perspective you're going to have. Are you going to look forward in hope or are you going to look back in despair? The scripture says this from Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The greatest cry we can have is, my God, I know there's issues. I know there's things I'm going through. But Lord, you've got to help me. Help my soul to come into health. Help my soul to be restored. So if you would, I'm just going to close in prayer. And my prayer for you today is that the Lord would put his hand upon you. If you're struggling in the area of your mind, if you're struggling in the area of of your soul, we say, my God, Father, right now, as a promise of your word, Father, we declare, restore our souls. Touch us again in the air of our minds, Father, where we've been pressed and molded to think the way of the world. Lord, I say, give us the thoughts of Christ. Give us the mind of Christ. Where our minds have become darkened, where our our minds have become maybe a, a bad place to be, Father, I pray let there be a sense of wholeness let there be a sense of innocence let there be a sense of walking in the light and stepping out of darkness and we ask this in Jesus name and the people of God said amen